Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 43 of Season 4 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com when Harry met Sally one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Jess Rogers, a very lapsed blogger who's going to get back on track soon and start her podcast again. Who knows? Maybe this will give her the, the extra jump to, that, you know, to show her how much she misses it. Welcome back, Jess. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad to be back. Actually, when I was looking for a headset to record this, the one that I used for, I don't know, six or eight years of podcasting, I couldn't find it. And that was a big sign that I need to buy another one and get back to doing this. So thank you for um, the invitation. Well, we have to thank Jay. Jay Jay was the one who uh, made the connection between us. So, uh, you know, yeah. friend of the show, Jay Cluett of uh, all, the Deep Blue Sea podcast and you know, the Conair pod and the, the you know, the, the, the shepherd of the lamb, you know, he's, he's the one yeah. who, who connected us. And uh, uh, so far after two days, I'm, I'm glad he did. You know, we'll see, we'll see how the rest of the week goes, but uh, you know, as of now, <laughs> I, I have high hopes that, that it will work. You know, uh, it'll, it'll hopefully work out much better than, than the, the two dates that Harry and Sally are about to describe. <laughs> yeah. And let, let's hope, let's hope. Minute 43 begins with Sally instructing Harry and ends with Harry bending down to straighten the carpet. So yesterday we ended things. We, 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 we left the Met. We had a few seconds in uh, Harry's apartment. We know it's Harry's apartment because it is completely empty. You know, I, I, I'm still shocked at the fact that Helen owned everything. You know, Harry owns nothing. You know, it. it I, I think that actually attests to the fact that he was, you know, um, what, what's what's the, the proper term to say for it? You know, he just let her do whatever she wanted. She wanted to decorate the entire place with her stuff. And she basically said to him, you know, we don't need your stuff. And they apparently yeah. didn't. I mean, did, did you did you look around at what's in the apartment, what we can see? There's really not that much. I didn't I didn't zoom in or anything, but it's. I was shocked at how big an apartment it is. It yeah. seems. That's right. And he got the apartment. With nothing in it. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty nice apartment. Right. I, I don't know how, I mean, as as a political consultant, I guess he's making nice money that he can actually afford Probably. it. You know. Yeah. But uh, no, we can see that there are two lamps. There's a recliner. There's a sofa. There is uh, what looks like a jacket that's thrown uh, on, on on top of maybe it's like a, a radiator or something. It's, it's hard to tell exactly what it's thrown on, but you know, it's just, it's just there. But the thing that, that always sticks out at me here is, yeah, there's a, there's a jacket on what looks like a radiator. It's a pretty big radiator yeah. also. Uh, what always throws me here. And it's very funny because I noticed it. And then when I listened to the the commentary that has, you know, uh, Rob Reiner, Nora Ephron and Billy Crystal, uh, Nora Ephron actually mentions it, the fact that Sally is holding a bottle of water. She said back in the 80s, yeah. people didn't do that. She said this yeah. was one of the 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 things that, that caught on about this movie, that people started walking around with bottles of water. I, I don't know if it really is connected to the movie itself, but but looking wow. at, at life today, you know, 30 uh, – was it 30 – uh, 34 years after this movie came out, you know, you always see, you see just about 
if not half, if not even more than half of the people walking around yeah. are carrying water bottles with them. Yes. You know, so, you know, again, I don't know if it's really because of when Harry met Sally, but it's a cool idea to think that maybe it is. <laughs> it yeah. almost places her like it out of time. Like it feels anachronistic for her to have a water bottle in that way, but maybe she just was one of the first. And you'll notice she's wearing a skirt yes. or at least a skirt. Right. That's true. Because Harry told her that she looks better in skirts. So therefore she's showing up in a skirt. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, again, that the question is, is, is she doing it to impress Harry? Is she doing it to make Harry happy? You know, about his observation. Uh, does Harry even notice that she's wearing a skirt. Yeah. I don't know. I think technically it is very much a skirt. Like she is wearing shorts, but there are they are skirt like. Right. Yeah. Right. It could be. I mean, but again, yeah. they 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 established the shot first of all with with a very long uh, it's a long shot so that we can see, yeah. you know, how huge this this apartment is, the room is that's completely empty, but it'll look less empty when you put the carpet down. You know, I think that's right. what it is also. Now. You know, also, how would you find a carpet like that so simply? And, you know, you, you'd think that if, if the, he must have gotten it delivered, you know, so then you have the right. delivery people, you know, uh, roll it out. Yes. You know, it's just, it's, and it's, it would only fit one way. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's just very funny, you know, seeing the two of them try to do this because they're, they're just like kicking mm-hmm. the rug open, you know, and, and Sally, yeah. Sally immediately realizes that it's not the, the, you know, it doesn't go this way. You're supposed to have it the other direction. You know, that's right. Thing. But if Sally wasn't there, I bet Harry would just leave it however he first unrolled it. Probably, probably. But what <laughs> I love about this minute is that the two of them are busy in the apartment dealing with the, the carpet and dealing with other things, but they have this great, uh, quote unquote, walk and talk. You know, this is, this yeah. is pre West Wing, but <laughs> right. they do a great job here of having the two of them have this this very important conversation while they're both yeah. busy with doing something else. You know, they're they're busy doing something else together, but they're still busy doing something else. Yeah. So, it's not the reason they're there. Right. To talk. Right. It just happens but to she's be she's come over to his house. Right. She's come yeah. over to his house to help him with the carpet and you know, while they're doing that, they're going to catch up on the fact that the the two of them, you know, had these these horrendous dates. Yeah. And from the descriptions, they're pretty yucky. Yeah. But for different reasons. Like, it's not like both. This was what I was expecting when they, the conversation sort of started. That they're going to one up each other with how awful the people they're dating are. Right. And it isn't. Right. I, because I, I, I think that when I was watching it. I think, I think uh, you know, this movie is also pre-Seinfeld. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, uh, at least people of our generation are much more used to the the Seinfeld uh, conversations about dating, you know, where all they do is mm-hmm. complain about everything, you know, about right. they had a date and you know she was a low talker and and he was a high talker and right. you know like they 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 always had the yeah. you know and um I mean they they had nine seasons of the show where just about every week <laughs> somebody was dating yeah. at least someone else uh, one other person you know if not more. You know, and we, we got, it was bad. That's right. And we got a lot of those conversations and that's what you were expecting. You know, here, this is uh, pre Seinfeld because I think Seinfeld came out in 89. So like a month or two before 
you know, but they had already, yeah. you know, this movie was probably already, you know, completely filmed by the time Seinfeld, uh, you know, debuted. Oh, but, for sure. But their their conversation is great. So, you know, we'll we'll go through the conversation. Uh, first of all, Sally says, "See, no, it has to go this way." So she's telling him, "You got to turn around, turn the the carpet around, right?" Right. And because yesterday Harry was talking about how how completely uncomfortable his date was. So Sally right. then says, the first date back is always the toughest, Harry. And then he looks at her and goes, you only had one date. <laughs> how do you know it's not going to get worse? And then she says, how much worse can it get than finishing dinner, having him reaching over, pull a hair out of my head, and starts flossing with it at the table? Do you think she means this literally? I don't know. I've always wondered. I've always uh, interpreted it by her basically saying the only way this could have gotten worse is if this is what he did. But when, when ah. doing my, when doing my research now, it sounds as if she's actually saying this happened. <laughs> right. And while I could believe something that terrible could happen, I don't know if you could actually get away with flossing. Like what kind of teeth would you have that you could get away with flossing with a person's hair? Well, it depends how thick uh, Sally's hair is. I don't know. But, I guess, but still, yeah. So I always thought of that as she was she was saying that that the only thing that could have made it that the only thing that that was, would have been worse than what I went through is if he would have done this. But right. I'm starting to question that it might be that she's saying this really did happen, you know, because it, it makes me curious how bad her date was because she doesn't tell us anything except for the fact about flossing. That's it. Yeah, that's all she says, and I I can see where you're coming from. But I've always taken it that that's actually exactly what happened. But it it kind of makes sense that she's a, she's being hyperbolic to say it was this bad. It could only have been worse if it was this. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would have. That's interesting. You know, because because you know we're going to get into a little bit right now. Harry talks about his date out, and it goes into more detail. Yeah. But Sally doesn't go into detail at all. You know, and it would have been no. interesting to hear what what it was that that bothers her about this guy on the date, except for maybe the fact that he is flossing with her hair. I, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Not really sure. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty pretty bad. So what what do you know about dental floss? Um I know nothing about it except that I'm supposed to do it a lot. Okay. As, as we probably yeah. all are, are supposed to. Um it's a <laughs> cord of thin filaments that's used to uh, remove food or uh, or plaque from be beneath the teeth or places that the toothbrush uh, doesn't usually isn't able to reach. Right. Okay. How far back do you think the when, when do you think someone invented the idea of flossing? Ooh, and it's in what we consider its modern version. Yes. I don't know. Probably less than a hundred years. Two hundred years. It was in 1819. Oh, Sorry. okay. Sorry, it was in 1819. I was, I was thinking we were still in the, the yeah. 20th century. Right. It's 200 <laughs> years, 200 years. There was a, dent, wow, a okay. dentist in New Orleans named Levi Spear Parmley who uh, recommended running a waxen silk thread through the interstices of the teeth between their necks and arches of the gum to dislodge that irritating matter, which no brush can remove and which is the real source wow. of disease. Sure. Um, floss wasn't commercially available till 1882. So think about that. It was 63 years after he invented the idea 
that you could actually go into a store and buy one. That seems like such an odd thing to start creating. Like it felt like in the 18th, mid 1800s, you created things only that were like absolutely necessary or that improved your life in some way. Correct. Dental floss feels like almost a cosmetic type thing, even though it totally isn't. And gingivitis and all the problems that can go on with your gums and teeth are very much real and you have to floss. No, I've, I've floss more because, feels... because something gets stuck and it's bothering me and I can't get it out. You know, that type of thing. Ah, so maybe that was a thing. Right, because that's, that that's what he says. You know, the idea of you know something that's irritating, yeah. you know, stuff like that. In 1898, Johnson okay. & Johnson received a patent on it to be Ooh. able to use it. In the novel Ulysses, one of the characters uses dental floss. Okay. All right. It actually became part of both the American and Canadian dental care routines in the 1970s. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, it's much more recent than it became common. Correct. Them, no, I well, thought. it became it 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 became you know part of what society wants you to do you know from about fifty years ago right. that type of thing. You know they yeah. they have floss picks which are basically mm-hmm. you know that, that's what I use. I, I I never understood how people can you know like take the piece of floss and wrap it around their fingers and then put their basically one hand inside their mouth in order to <laughs> to, to try to, to, right. to do that. So you know the floss picks are are much easier. It's like a little piece of plastic that has. <laughs> Yeah. The, the the floss on there and stuff like that. Now, the floss pick was actually invented in 1888 by a man named uh, wow. B.T. B. Mason, where he wrapped a fibrous material around a toothpick and uh, called it the combination toothpick. And that's what people started <laughs> using the thing. In 1916, someone named J.P. DeLue invented the dental floss holder that was between two vertical poles in order to be able to, mm. uh, you know, stick that in the mouth. The, the Y, sh- the Y shaped angle dental appliance was, was created in yeah. uh, 1935. And in uh, 1963, a man named James Kirby invented a tooth cleaning device that resembles an archaic version of today's F shaped Floss pick, you know, where you have the the, yeah. the stick and then, you know, yep. the, the way that that works. And then my nieces love those. I don't know why. <laughs> well, because they, they have them with uh, little animals on them, probably. And it might, my, my, my daughters oh, like them there too. You go. Like, you know, the different shapes of different animals and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and in 1972, an inventor named Richard Wells uh, found a way to attach floss to a single pick end. And in this exact same year, another inventor named Harry Gaselli Katz uh, came up with the idea of making a disposable dental floss toothpick. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess toothpicks were sort of the thing that they'd use instead as an irritant, right? Right. Did you see that in movies from the 50s, you know, where... Are sitting sure. in, uh, you know, with with the two, or actually, I think you see in West, westerns also that they, that they have something in a there. A lot more, you know, yeah. Not, I don't know if it's if it's sure. wood or something like that, but they have something there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then Harry continues with with his this uh, uh, his yeah. story of of how how horrendous his his date was, and he says, "Sure, <laughs> we're talking dream date compared to my horror. It started out fine. She's a very nice person." And we're sitting and we're talking in this Ethiopian restaurant that she wanted to go to. And I was making jokes, you know, like, hey, I didn't know they had food in Ethiopia. This will be a quick meal. 
I'll order two empty plates and we can leave. And Sally starts <laughs> laughing the entire time that he keeps saying that. And he just looks at her and goes, yeah, nothing from her, not even a smile. So when when <laughs> when I was watching this and doing, doing my research, I, I was thinking, okay, wait a second, this is 1989 and he's bringing up Ethiopia. Okay. Um, so based on what you said earlier, you, you like me are, are a child of the eighties. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, what was, why was Ethiopia important in the eighties from the famine for sure. And what did that uh, spawn? Uh, the big war with just, the no, unrest. I'm talking about, I'm talking about pop describe. culture. I'm talking about pop culture. Sorry. Oh, I don't know. We are the world. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you know you, you, uh, you was it USA for Africa? You know, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, right. Well, Band-Aid, yeah. Band-Aid was the one that started it, and then afterwards, you know, they they uh, they did USA for Africa. Um, Michael Jackson, yep. Lionel Richie, and Quincy Jones um, created yep. the album "We Are the World," which had it sold more than twenty million copies. And it is still the eighth best-selling physical single of all time. Wow. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, looking at it now, like, hearing the joke now, it feels a little insensitive. But in context, it 100% made sense, right? Mm -hmm. In the 80s, yeah, there was no food in Ethiopia. It was. It had a famine. People were starving. Correct. it feels a little, I don't know, insensitive. But again, it goes back. Today's... It goes back to what we were talking about before about right. Seinfeld. You know, I could see in in Seinfeld yeah. them making a joke like this. You know, and it's it's oh, hundred percent. You know, whether you know, it it took everyone till the final episode of Seinfeld to realize that they are horrible people. You know, <laughs> true. You know, I I remember being shocked watching that final episode and saying to myself, "Wait a second, they are horrible people." <laughs> Yeah, you know, we we they are the horrible people. Not all their days. That's right. We've left uh, along with them for for nine years. And wait a second, what does it say about us? You know, they they, they did a great yeah, job exactly. of twisting things there to to sh- you know put the mirror up in front of all of us. You know, as to, right. to what what we liked. You know, so yeah, the uh, the song "We Are the World" was uh, it it won three Grammys, one American Music yeah. Award. A People's Choice Award. Um, it was critically received uh, because of its music video. They had a, a VHS version of it. They had a special mm-hmm. edition magazine. They had books, posters, shirts. Um, the all of this promotion and merchandising. How much do you think it raised? How how much money do you think it raised for for USA for Africa? Twenty-five million dollars. They raised sixty-three million dollars, which in today is about one hundred and fifty-six million dollars. You know, for humanitarian aid to Africa. I mean, the idea of taking like fifty uh, famous uh, singers and actually, we'll go through the list in a little while. Some of them are not singers at all. You know, that are that are that, that are there. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, and to, to, I remember that video. Yes. I, I always see, I always re- remember that Dan Aykroyd's there and I never know that, you know, uh, you know, I mean, there was, there was a lot of, of stuff going on in the background with the, the, the recording, you know, there, there are rumors that they, they got it all in one take. I mean, they did 
they, they didn't have to, they did it all in one night because think about having to coordinate, getting all of these people into the same room to record. You know, you don't have that much time. No. And you, I don't think you'd ever, um, I don't think you'd ever get the whole thing back together again. Correct. They, they, and they did it all in one night. They started, they started, wow. they started, uh, filming at 10 30 PM and at 8 AM they were done <laughs> with including all the final, oh my including all, all of the, everyone's, uh, you know, solos and things like that. They, they just did a great job of that. You know? Wow. Um, right. So, you know, you have, you have a whole bunch of soloists. You have, uh, you know, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder. Paul Simon, Kenny Rogers, James Ingram, Tina Turner, Billy Joel, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, uh, Dionne Warwick, Willie Nelson, Al Jarreau, Bruce Springsteen, Kenny Loggins, Steve Perry, Daryl Hall, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, Kim Carnes, Bob Dylan, and Ray Charles. And then you have the chorus, <laughs> which always <laughs> throws me off. You have Dan Aykroyd, Harry Belafonte. Lindsay Buckingham, uh, Mario Cipollina from Huey Lewis and the News, Johnny Cola from Huey Lewis and the News, or Sheila E., Bob Gel Geldof. Uh, then you have three more members of Huey Lewis and the News, Bill Gibson, Chris Hayes, and Sean Hopper. Then you have five Jacksons. You have Jackie Jackson, Toya, Marlin, Randy, and Tito. Then you have Waylon Jennings. Bette Midler is there. Wow, I, I didn't, she didn't get a uh, lyric. Yeah, seriously. Um, you have John Oates, who also didn't get a lyric. Only Daryl Hall got it. Uh, Jeffrey Osborne, Anita Pointer. And then you have the three Pointer sisters, Anita, June, and Ruth, the Pointer <laughs> sisters. Smokey Robinson. Right. So I mean, that, that's just like an amazing list that today, I don't think anyone could even come close to getting that many people to agree or that many people of that stature to agree to, to work together for, for free for one night, you know, that's just amazing. Amazing. I mean, it's insane that the, they were able to put it together and then they kind of even have done it again. Right. Didn't they do yes, it again yes. so, more recently? Right. But first of all, we'll go through the Grammys at the Grammy awards. Okay. The, they, they won record of the year, song of the year, best pop performance by a duo or a group, best, best music video it, at the, uh, 1985 MTV Video Music Awards. It it collected Best Group Video and Viewer's Choice. The People's Choice Awards. They they got Favorite New Song. The American Music Awards named uh, We Are the World the Song of the Year, and uh, they honored all the organizers in in a uh, with a special award. I mean, it's just it's just amazing the the stuff that 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 they got from this whole thing. So yes, you mentioned in 2010. After an earthquake in Haiti, they they redid it yeah. and they they sent that they did another one. The thing is, is, Michael Jackson died in 2009 at his funeral service as a memorial service. They played both "Wear the World" and "Heal the World." With oh wow yeah, and it was the first time that it re-entered the U.S. charts when they 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 released it again right after his his death, and it uh, debuted at number 50 on Billboard's Hot Digital Songs chart. So in in 2010 they had another version with completely different people. There there are a whole bunch of like live live versions that right. they did and stuff like that. Even they even had a group of of people that went and did it in front of uh, Bill Clinton, you know, in the 90s, you know, when he was president. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's just yeah, really. That's crazy. It's just very very. It, it's crazy but cool at the same time. You know. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> 
and then uh you know the 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 irony of of you know harry making all of these jokes and sally is laughing at the jokes right now that you know that also mm-hmm. says something about you know that you know we talked yesterday a little bit about about uh you know whether sally is on the same wavelength as harry and stuff like that but when it comes to comedy she she must be you know she gets his joke right yeah they share a sense of humor clearly um i think sometimes harry is willing to accept that mostly she doesn't have a sense of humor right she's the she's the worst kind who think they have a sense of humor (laughs) but don't but at the same time she gets his right. sense of humor. So does it matter if she has a sense of humor, right? He might just be the kind of person who likes to make people laugh and right. she gets him. And exactly. is that enough? And I think what they're trying to show you is that, yeah, that's what right. friends are is people who get each right. other's sense of humor. And then he continues with this conversation and says, so I downshift into small talk and I asked her where she went to school. And she says, Michigan state. And this reminds me of Helen. All of a sudden, I'm in the middle of this mess of an anxiety attack. My heart's beating like a wild man, and I start sweating like a pig. And then Sally looks at her at him and goes, Helen went to Michigan State? He goes, no, she went to Northwestern. But they're both Big Ten schools. I got so upset, I had to leave the restaurant. And, you know, it's it's just funny to, to see the, the way that he, you know, makes these type of, of random connections. You know, it, it's as if he's he's yeah. searching for a reason or an excuse to to complain. You know, yes. that's what it is. Yeah. And it's, I love the way it's sort of balanced in the writing because it couldn't possibly be just that Helen went to Michigan State because that's too direct, right? right? That's too obvious right. for the writing that would come through this you'd have to see that weird connection in Terry's mind that it's really, Oh, they're both big 10 schools. Like maybe no one else in the world would connect that she went to Michigan state. And that reminds you of Northwestern, but at the same time, it gives you a little more. And like you said before, that Helen is not really this likable person and we don't really understand why Harry was with her. But at the same time, he clearly liked her. Like he liked, he knew a lot about her. He had a lot of connection to who right. they were. I mean, they, as a they were together for five years. And you pulling, know, they were married for five years. Right. And pulling away from that, yeah, is a lot. And trying to connect to somebody is a lot of what Harry seems to be looking for. Although later we'll talk about what Harry actually right. thinks of connection. Tomorrow. Um, tomorrow. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah, tomorrow. I love that that um, that it ends this way. That he's also talking about being so upset that this is not usually what you describe as a guy being upset on a date because he's been right. reminded of his ex. It's it's a little more emotional than right. you'd expect from him. Right, and, and because he's he he feels that he can be so open with with uh, with Sally, and that's what it yes. comes down to. And and again, I love the way that sure. they're walking around the room as they're having this conversation. Sally is holding dearly onto her bottle of water, every so often taking a swig, you know, as they're yeah. talking and stuff like that. And they're they're like looking at the apartment, looking at how the the 
you know, that carpet fits, does it work, does it not work? You know, and, mm -hmm. and like Sally looks at him right. and then looks at the carpet and you see like she makes some faces along the way also, which is like really funny. You know, and yeah. uh, and you can actually see in this minute that, that these are not shorts. This is a skirt. You know, something that we, right. we yeah, you can see oh, that really? this is a skirt. If you look at okay. the, uh, second 57, you can already see that, uh, that, that, that she's wearing a skirt. At least that's the way it looks from this angle. It yeah, could be that there is a partition. I agree, but if you go back, to, right where she's walking around, like seconds five, six, and seven, it yes, really looks. But more it's like also shorts. very far. It's harder to see. You know, yes, so later on when we can see her up closer, you know, then you can tell that it, that it <laughs> actually is. A, yeah, it is a skirt. There's, there's no question about. It. Well, a skirt at that time period is also pretty fashionable, so it could either right. easily. No, but again, I, I've, I'm reading into this that that they chose that the next scene yeah. after Harry makes the comment, she's wearing a skirt on purpose. Agreed. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, and as really he's as he's talking, he he like crouches down and begins to to pull the carpet a little bit, and she starts to crouch down also. Yeah, uh, still holding her bottle of water. You know, and, and that's how this minute ends. Did Do you have anything else you want to say about this minute yeah. before we get into the script? No, I'm good. All right. So uh, I must say this, we have nothing to talk about in the script because this is word for word. Oh, wow. There's there's nothing else uh, in here. They don't have the direction on it. You know, they just have mm -hmm. the, their, their conversation. Like we don't see the fact that, that uh, you know, Harry, uh, you know, crouches down, or or that the two of them are looking in any particular direction or anything like that. So, but it works. Yeah, I mean, it does. I think it's done really well. Yeah. Yeah. So every Wednesday we have a segment called Harry Burns Hump Day, where my guests will give their top five Billy Crystal performances. So, Jess, what have you got for us? So, Billy Crystal's big movies are just about as shallow as. Meg Ryan's, which I found interesting. Like, it's not like he has 20 huge hits or Meg Ryan has 20 huge hits. And I think of them as so iconic. So I was expecting both of them to have a lot more than looking through the list. But um, so When Harry Met Sally is my number five for Billy Crystal. I think he does an amazing job with it. Um, number four is one that I don't think got a lot of play, but I think he is amazing in it. And it's a movie called Parental Guidance. He okay. plays with, with Bette Midler, right? With Bette Midler and, um, Marissa Tomei is their daughter who's yep. going out of town and leaves Billy Crystal and, um, Bette Midler as the parental figures for three kids, um, that they have to take care of. And Billy Crystal has basically just been told that his career as a baseball announcer is over. And I think he's been a minor league baseball announcer and he's, a, he's dealing with that. And he's trying to figure out how to parent the next, next generation. And because he seems like he was a hands-off parent and he just tries to connect so much. And it's that offhand Billy Crystal commentary about kids and about the next generation, like, oh, in my day kind of stuff. And it's just really well done. And when his grandson does a speech from one of the biggest announcers of baseball in the mm -hmm. history, 
it's just it's so heartwarming and watching Billy Crystal act like through that is just lovely. So parental guidance is my number four. Can't have a list without the Princess Bride as number three as Miracle Max. Um, Mostly Dead comes up in my house a lot more than you'd expect. Um, (laughs) You have mostly dead people in your house? (laughs) Mostly dead of all kinds of things. Is this ready to eat? No, it's only mostly dead. Um, And he's just perfect in that, right? That even though he's under all that makeup and talking to, playing off... um, Carol, Carol, Carol Kane. Kane. I could remember Kane. I couldn't remember the Carol part. Um, and just that whole scene is unforgettable. It's small, but totally unforgettable. Um, my number two is a cheat because it's animated, but it's Monsters, Inc. And his turn as cheat. Mike that Wazowski. Not, not a cheat at all. <laughs> He's not physically on the screen, but it's so Billy Crystal. There's no mistaking it, right? As yeah. his partnership with John Goodman is unmistakable. It's so great. That moment where he's looking at his um, picture on the magazine and the um, label has been put over him and all you see is Sully. And he's still <laughs> so excited that he's on a magazine. Yes. And it, it's just great. He's really good at it. He's happy. He's joyful and really nervous all the time in a good way. Yes. And then number one is City Slickers to, to a huge jump ahead. I, that's such a good movie. I don't know if it's just that it was a movie that came out when I was old enough to go to like adult movies that are grown up movies, I guess is a better way to describe it. Adult <laughs> yes, movies, adult is movies is something genre. else. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll get um, there next week. Movies, <laughs> but it's still kind of a family movie. So it's, it's, I love City Slickers. He does such a good job fighting with his friends, one of whom is in How I Met Your Mom. No, When Harry Met Sally. Um, Bruno Kirby is there, yes. and we get him again in City Slickers. And they just have a great dynamic. So um, those are my five Billy Crystal. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much. That's a great list. So uh, you want to, once again, tell people how they can get in touch with you. They can find me on Twitter um, at in underscore entertain, which is a throwback to my old blog, Insight Into Entertainment. Um, You probably find me at uh, my old podcast, Real Insight, R-E-E-L as well, where um, Rachel Throw and I used to go through the top grossing movie of the year and the Oscar winner of the year and compare them. Oh, wow. So Very that's cool. still out in the universe somewhere. Okay. Sounds, sounds great. And uh, finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com, or you can find me on Twitter. So until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. You gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you had to be you